0: Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm
1: Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs.
0: This week, we're going to talk about some marketing projects I'm working on here at Less Annoying CRM. I'm in the middle of a week-long work retreat where I'm trying to improve the technology behind some of our marketing efforts. And Rick's going to give me advice on what to focus on and how to use my time to help the rest of the team succeed. Uh, but first, we're going to give some updates on our businesses. So uh, what have you been up to, Rick? Not much. I'm. Uh, you know, uh, have you heard of the event Silicon
1: Slopes Tech Summit?
0: I've heard of it, yes.
1: Yeah, it's like the big Utah... Were Silicon Slopes to be rival, were rivals of Silicon Valley. Totally. Um, and were cool. Um, it's actually pretty impressive. Uh, you know where I live downtown now mm-hmm. in Salt Lake? So right across the street, I literally walk out my front door and across the street, and it's in the convention center. And there was, I'm probably underestimating this, but there was probably 10,000 seats in the main room. <laughs> wow. If, I mean, maybe I'm over, it was a lot. I could not even, the TV, there were, I, I would say that like the people on stage were about as big as my, um, half of my index finger to put <laughs> it in perspective, how far they were away.
0: I feel like an event that big is like, I don't, I don't know that I understand what you're supposed to get out of that size of an event. Did you enjoy yourself? Well,
1: from, so it's two days today and tomorrow. That part of the event was the main speaking event. They're doing that from 9 to 12 in the morning, today and tomorrow. And I really wanted to see this particular speaker named Patrick Lincione. He wrote the book called Five Dysfunctions of the Team. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called The Advantage. Uh, he was actually really fun to watch speak. So even though he was really far away, there was a big a big uh, projector Right in front of me, so I could watch watch the uh, screen and then look at him as like a little ant, uh, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to see his his full body. But um, it was really good. It, I got value out of it. And then you kind of walk over to the next room, and I walk the exhibit hall, which was actually really interesting because I've actually never been to a Utah-based conference before. Most of the conferences I've been have been in other states around a, a, a national industry. And what I found really interesting was how cool some of the things people that are my neighbors are working on that I had no idea existed. Mm. So just walking around the exhibit hall, grabbing a coffee, and just asking questions at each booth, just, just as a general curiosity of what those companies were doing, I found 10 companies I had no idea existed operating in the health space that I can help and they can help and who can help me. And I wasn't expecting that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Because I've, I've heard before, and I think I buy this, that the talk you saw that you enjoyed, if you watched a YouTube video of it, would it really be any different? But if you go to a conference or any kind of event like that, you really need to be talking to people and interacting with people. If you're just there for the talks, probably there would have been a much easier way to get that content.
1: Sure. I think what, what was unique about that talk for me was i I would never have been able to see him in person probably. So I got to watch him on stage, even though he was really small, that was a different experience than I could have gotten. Um, I think my, I think being in person, uh, you know, even though I can watch a basketball game on, you know, in person, uh, I, I mean, you know, on the TV, it's much different when you're sitting courtside um, or even in the nosebleeds. I definitely had a nosebleed seat, but I, I got (laughs) something out of being there in person that I couldn't have gotten elsewhere. But I, I, otherwise I totally agree with you. Like, It's about meeting people and learning. And I got both of those.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I, you know, there's all kinds of breakout sessions happening right now. Um, A lot of them I want to go to, but I just like listed them out. I'm going to just connect with the the people, hopefully another time and uh, get their slides. But uh, really cool to see all the stuff going on in the state. And then also how how the person next door is working on something cool. I had no idea about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's neat. Awesome. Um, Anything else going on with you? Um, so I launched
1: a new section of my website uh, called like Ricklinquist slash help. And the you know one thing we were talking about last week was how do I promote myself and my ventures without you know losing humility, like doing it without being annoying. And so I'm working on a way to talk to people who are in any situation and fig- and and help us find ways to help each other in a way that seems. And genuine and, and what well, is genuine and, and is unintrusive. So, um, that's if you, I'd be interested in feedback if anyone's listening and checks that out. It's a different approach to basically finding ways, finding people who you can connect with who have, you know, could develop into a mutually beneficial relationship. So, I outline how I can help others and how people can help me right now. And I plan to update that as things progress and change. Um, and I need different types of help.
0: Yeah, I I checked out that page. I think it's really cool. And this is maybe me being a little different from a lot of people. I like it when it's really expressly stated why I'm interacting with someone in a business context. I feel like a lot of people feel like that almost taints the relationship if if you're acknowledging that one person is receiving benefit from the interaction. But when someone emails me and is like, hey, can we just chat? I'm like, why? And if they're like, I need help with this or I can help you with that. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's chat. So I I like that you're kind of putting that out there. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. And uh, um, one of the, one of the things I'm realizing and just applying it a couple of times is I I read a book last week called um, how to, how to not feel like an a-hole when you're networking. And uh, (laughs) I'll post, I'm actually going to, those are going to be the notes I post next week or this, this Sunday. And all, at the end of the day, if, if you, you know, the, the, it's really like good networking is all about the anatomy of a friendship, and you know, I think what I'm really bad at is slowing down early on in a relationship because you have to do the small talk, connection stuff, and just find common interest. I want to jump right into like the the interesting questions, and I think I make mm-hmm. a lot of people uncomfortable when I do that.
0: Well, yeah, I'm the exact same way as you because like. I feel like I get to know more about someone by working with them than sitting there and talking about how the weather is and stuff like that. So it's like, let's, let's do a project together and then decide if we want to do another one rather than date for a while before we decide if we want to do the project.
1: Uh, I'm I'm with you completely. But yeah, <laughs> I was, I was, pra- I was trying some of the tactics out at this event this morning and people were, were getting really uncomfortable. So um, I'm not doing it well, I guess. <laughs> um the last thing that's like yeah the last thing is like not going well this week is i was i was planning you know since we talked last week on entering a no code competition for leg up health i just can't find the time to work on leg up health this week everything is taking longer than expected and taking my time it feels like everyone is like not following through on what they said they were going to do this week i don't know if it's tax time it's just a really weird week uh, where people um, are having to reschedule and you know show up late to meetings like I just did to this one. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a weird week. I don't know if you've experienced that at all.
0: Well, I'm... I'm not really engaging with the real world this week, so I I have not noticed that, but yeah, so I wouldn't.
1: I think it's like the deadline for 1099s or something like that this week that everybody has everyone in a frenzy. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm a little bummed that I haven't worked on a but I was just working on it before we got on this call, and I'm hoping that I can work on it the rest of the night.
0: Yeah, cool. I mean, not, not cool that you haven't had a chance to, but obviously that's a fixable problem. hmm Yeah. What about you? Um, so my, my, well, I'll start with an update, not related to what I'm working on right now, but, uh, in the year in review episode, we kind of set some goals for ourselves. And my big one that I wanted was a product development rhythm, um, for the products team at less annoying CRM to basically not wait for these big releases and have one or two times a year, this big thing, but just constantly ship stuff. Um, and we're a month in right now. And so I just want to give an update on that, that basically, Uh, I've started writing a bi-weekly, so every two weeks, a blog post that's just summarizing what the product team has done over the last two weeks. In previous years, this would have been a very boring blog post because it would have been like nothing, nothing this time, nothing this time. And then it all would have piled up for one big launch. Um, I'm really happy that we've done two so far and we'll have a third one coming out soon, um, that have like. Pretty significant updates in them. Um, so I, anyway, the goal of get, having that product rhythm. This isn't me doing anything. This is the rest of the team. But I just feel like a couple times a week, something meaningful is getting deployed, uh, which is just so different from how things have been in the past. So I feel really good about that. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about it, but just feels yeah, good.
1: good <laughs> thanks for the update. I like it when you. I, I need to do a better job of thinking about how I could update on my goals every week to hold myself accountable. I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, if if you are looking for a tip on that, I just have a Slack reminder to, uh, like a private Slack channel that like reminds me about stuff. And then I type into the Slack channel, my notes about it. And that kind of helps me, you know, periodically go back and be like, Oh yeah, here's all those things. But anyway, that's cool. Um, aside from that, I'm in Boston this week, got here Tuesday. So we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, And I'm just working, sort of, with my brother, but also sort like we are. I'm staying with him, and we're working together a little, but then kind of going off on our own and doing separate projects. Uh, So it's sort of like a little work retreat where I'm just getting away from normal duties of running a business and just kind of focusing on individual contributor stuff. Uh, We're gonna. That's gonna be the topic for today, so we'll get into that more. But I've already finished. So I'm about a day and a half in and I finished, um, one of my project, I had two projects coming in that I wanted to do and one of them is done now. So I feel pretty good about just getting stuff out the door. And, um, I, I always love these trips cause you know, normally I don't have all day every day to focus on individual contributor work. So it's been fun.
1: That's awesome. So, uh, do you think this is a good use of your time this week? Or are you like feeling like you should be doing something else?
0: This one is uh, almost definitely a good use of my time. Um, Maybe we can just kind of segue into the topic because like, these are so closely intertwined. But um, what I'm working on this week is marketing projects. And so that's what what we're going to talk about as our topic is something around marketing. And neither of us know exactly what yet, but we're going to try and figure this out. Basically, so Less Annoying CRM is a little over 10 years old. We, in the early days, it was just me and my brother and... We kind of always were in the background working on marketing stuff. Neither of us are marketing people, but you can't start a business if no one's doing anything related to marketing or sales or biz dev, something that can grow the business. So it was always something we just kind of periodically worked on in the background. Then we got to a point where we hired some people and they started doing the marketing stuff, and I basically stopped. And that's good. They're better at certain things than me and all that. But there's a certain type of project that they can't do that I can. Um, specifically, I think at any company, a founder has an, a, the ability to like make stuff happen really quickly more than an employee does. But also, I'm a programmer and they're not. So any project that requires coding, like we need to change how the signup process works or something like that. They can't do that, but I can. So basically, this that type of marketing project just stopped entirely at the business and it's kind of stagnated for years, like five, six years probably since we've made any major overhauls to this. And so that's really the theme of this week for for Bracken and I is to get a to do some of those projects that we've been putting off that we would have done in the past, but B to kind of get in the habit of continuing this. We don't just want this to be a one week thing and then we're done forever. Um, so you asked the question like, is this a waste of my time? And I'd say, I think that there's a lot of really low-hanging fruit because I've been ignoring it for so long.
1: I'd love to, um, I think we should segue into the topic. Sounds like, I guess, what? how would you phrase the topic as you're thinking of it
0: now? Yeah, I think there's maybe two, th- the, the, the overarching topic is basically what should The plan B for Less Annoying CRM's marketing strategy, specifically my role in the marketing strategy going forward, because other people already have their projects going on, and I think that's good. But what should I be doing as a founder and like a technical founder to help with that? And that I can break down into what should I spend the rest of this week, so through next Tuesday, doing? And then probably more important than that is what should we be doing going forward to keep up this, to, to not let it stagnate? over the next several years and, and to actually make it a part of my regular routine, basically. Cool. i um, I love to
1: talk about this. Uh, do you, um, you mentioned five to six years of basically you said neglect, I think, um, I don't, I don't, you insinuated neglect. Why, why did you neglect it as, um, was, was it because of things were going well and you didn't have a problem? And, and so it was, you didn't worry about it and now there's a problem and, You're having to focus on it again, or is this more of a a proactive hey, I want to get ahead of this now that I have some time?
0: Good question. It's more the latter, it might end up being the former. So, I mentioned that the second half of 2019 was pretty slow from a growth standpoint. It's not at a point right now where I would exactly call it a problem. It's like we were planning on hiring X people over the next couple of years, and now we're going to hire less than X people it's not like we might go out of business or anything like that. Um, and I think there's a decent chance that it bounces back on its own. Like the the free trial pipeline right now is a lot better than it has been for the last six months. So maybe, it's, maybe there's no problem and it fixes itself. But with that uh, kind of down period that we had at the end of last year, it got Bracken and I kind of just talking about marketing more. Like, well, what would we do If there is a problem here and that kind of made us realize, even if there's not a problem, shouldn't we do a little bit of this anyway? Like, I don't want this to be my full time job, but it seems like we should get ahead of it. And just it's crazy to have a startup where neither co-founder has thought about marketing in six years. You know,
1: (laughs) that's very stoic of you. You (laughs) Yeah. uh, James Clear. Do you know him? No, I book called A time of habits. I'm I'm on his email list. He actually wrote about um, the concept of inversion. Which basically, I, I'm gonna butcher this, but basically, that's what you and your brother did. You're basically looking at it like, what, what's the biggest threat to our business? What's the biggest threat to our situation? If we were, you know, what's our biggest threat? How can we pre- be prepared for that threat coming true, even though it might not come true? And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's what this really is. It's a let's, you know, bef- you know, this isn't going great. It's not going bad, but. We, we, you know, it has potential to be a real big problem for us. Let's get ahead of it before it is. Yeah. What, um, how, so how would you, who owns marketing at, at like, who is the
0: owner of marketing
1: at Less Knowing serum?
0: Okay. So the, it's something, there are three core people who are involved. I'm one of them. And even when I've I say I've been ignoring it, I've been paying attention in the sense of, giving other people feedback on what they're working on and kind of being a manager. I just haven't been an individual contributor. Um, Then there's Alex, who's a a partner at the business who he does growth ish stuff, but I would say marketing's not his main wheelhouse. He's more like biz dev and dealing with some of our bigger accounts and stuff like that. Like something like sales. Um, A year ago, we had a full-time employee who owned marketing who then went to grad school and left. And we have a not a new hire, but some, someone who is already here, but who is going to step into that role. Her name is Eunice. She's a CRM coach who is interested in marketing, is good at it, but it's not her full-time role because we. she's still a CRM coach right now. the The goal is to get her to be a full-time marketer eventually. So she's probably in the future, the main person that I hope owns this, but she's not exactly in a position to take total control just due to time constraints right now.
1: Cool. And it sounds so I would say that you own marketing and that probably hasn't changed. Um, even when you had that person, you're probably the owner and you were delegating some of the portions of the marketing to that former person. But now it sounds like Eunice isn't quite able to take all of that stuff that was being taken on and um, you're having to fill even more of a gap than what you normally would have to fill.
0: Uh, yeah, although I'm not really filling it. A lot of this stuff, Julia was the person who left a lot of the stuff Julia left behind. We've just kind of decided not to do anymore. Um, a lot of it was around content creation and stuff like that, which honestly, it wasn't really working anyway. Like writing, writing help articles and stuff is great because our customers benefit, but she was doing a lot of tofu type stuff, like top of funnel marketing that never worked in the first place. So we just stopped doing that entirely. Cool. Well, I, before
1: we, I, I could go question by question and I don't, I know sometimes that can um, prevent us from getting to the meat. What what would make this, like if, if in 30 minutes you're doing takeaways, what, what would make this conversation successful for you?
0: Um, yeah, I'd probably like to talk about what I'm working on this week and use that to kind of set the tone for what I think my role is as an individual contributor And A, just get your thoughts on, is am I thinking about that right at all? And then B, start talking. It's almost too late to adjust what I'm going to do this week. I can make little adjustments, but we're already halfway through it. But then to say, what should the plan be going forward, basically? Cool. Um, So maybe I can just give a rundown. of Bracken and I each picked two projects for ourselves for this week. Okay. Um, And once again, we're both programmers. So we wanted to do things that other people at the company can't do. Bracken is kind of an expert on statistics and data analysis. He basically has a PhD in data stuff. Um, So, what he's both of his projects are related to digging through our data and trying to answer a couple questions. One of those questions is what happened over the last six months to result in the slowdown. Like we we know high level, like we had fewer free trials, for example, but like why? Was it a certain channel that dried up or fewer users per account? I, I don't really know exactly the details of what caused that. So he's going to look into that and then also try and put together something simple that can look at our the people on our free trial pipeline and get a sense of, is that a healthy pipeline or not, basically. Um, both of those will be backward looking, but the idea is after he does that, he can put something in place in the future we can run it every night or every month or whatever, and get a sense of how things are looking.
1: So that's his
0: projects.
1: Yeah. So the, the terms for those are cohort analysis um, is, is what a lot of people refer to as number one. And number two is lead scoring um, or forecasting. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's basically doing a, an exercise of root cause analysis um, on the fun, on the funnel and then you know, that'll probably lead to in order to answer some of the questions that that leads to some sort of cohort analysis around like different groups and you know answering more detailed questions. And mm-hmm. then the forecasting is something that uh, the lead scoring it sounds like he's going to try to improve the lead scoring and your ability to say, hey, we have leads that are free trials and we would like a better predictor of whether or not they're going to become customers.
0: Yeah. And I think lead scoring is a pretty common thing, but what we want it for is maybe a little different. I I think a lot of teams use it to decide things like, should our salesperson talk to this lead based on their likelihood of buying and stuff like that? We're more interested in, is there a looming disaster that we need to know about. It's more about getting an early indicator than it is about taking some kind of action with any specific lead.
1: Yeah. And so that's, that's more stress testing your forecast and really, really trying to figure out if you have an accurate, if your assumptions are going to hold in the future.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I, should say in the background of all of this, I don't, f- I said, I don't think we have a problem. We have a whole different set of project ideas for if we do have a problem, like We've brainstormed if stuff gets really bad and we need to make dramatic, like we really need to go for this and try to jumpstart things. That's a whole separate world. And we have ideas that I think are pretty exciting that I would actually kind of enjoy doing. But we want to know to start those six months before the problem instead of six months after the problem. And our in our, and
1: I, I I guess what's the difference between those and what the things that you're allowing yourself to work on right now?
0: I think the things we're allowing ourselves to work on right now are less disruptive to the business if there's not a problem. Um if things get back on track, I think long term the best thing we can be doing is focusing on the, the user experience, the product, the customer service. That's like you know res- that's uh resilient stuff that provides value to our customer and makes our business strong. The other ideas are more like investing our developer resources in marketing projects that may get us customers, but it doesn't provide more value to our current customers. So I'd rather not do that if we can avoid it. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. One is marketing and the other is product
1: first. Um, One is like more traditional marketing and you don't want to do that um, unless you have to. And the other is what's gotten you where you are, which is focusing on the customer and being a product first company.
0: Right, and I especially don't want to do marketing with our dev team. I'm fine if some CRM coaches want to spend some time doing marketing, but if a programmer could build a new feature or work on a marketing landing page, I'd rather they build the new feature. Understand. So, what um, are you? What are
1: the projects that you're working on?
0: Yeah, so I'm doing. Bracken's good at data stuff. I'm more on the like along the lines of modifying the marketing website, sign up flow, onboarding things like that. Um, so what I the the project I already finished is basically trying to drive more people to our referral system. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. Um, Basically, we redid our referral page and A, I'm linking to it from a lot more places on the website. So for example, I completely rebuilt our login page. Um, We're adding it to the footer of emails we send to customers, stuff like that. And B, I added a little bit of Kind of custom analytics code to track when someone hits that referral settings page, where did they come from? So if there's 10 different places pointing at this page, I would love to know which one's actually driving traffic to it, A, so that we can optimize that a little bit, and B, so if in the future we want to promote something other than the referral program, like let's say we have another user conference, it'd be nice to know, well, links in the footer of CRM coach emails do- does nothing. Updating it on the login page does quite a bit. Yep, makes sense. Cool. So that's kind of the first project. It's not deployed yet, but the code's all written, so that's basically done. The next one is an industry-related project. We suspect that uh, we can get a lot, we we can improve our uh, trial to paid conversion quite a bit by focusing in on a customer's industry more. Right now, if they talk to us and they're like, "I'm a real estate agent," we will say oh, we have a real estate agent template we can apply to your account. We'll show you how to do it. But we don't really, if they don't talk to us, that never happens. So this project is, I'm changing how we're doing all of our tracking on our website to like attributing people to the correct source, figuring out based on the pages they go to, taking a guess at what industry they're probably in. And then when they sign up, there's just going to be a question on the sign up form that's like, what industry are you? Some of the industries we have pre-configured customizations will automatically apply to their account without them having to talk to us. Some of them we don't, but if they pick that industry, it'll tell us maybe we should go build a custom template for that more obscure one or something like that. So basically by the end of this, I want to know when someone signs up, what industry are they in?
1: It sounds like higher level, what you're trying to do is provide more value sooner. And, you know, in the free trial process, and it sounds like you have a manual process that works pretty well from a CRM coach that you want to pull into the actual automation with the product, with the yeah. software.
0: Right. And I think that's right. You could hear that and think it's about reducing the effort of CRM coaches. That might be a nice side benefit, but it's really about CRM coaches only talk to 10% of our customers. Let's get the benefit to the other 90. No, the goal, I is, also increase, think, the,
1: the goal is increase free trial to... You know, paid sign up, yep. and the ideas are around. Well, this idea is particularly around. Let's 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 increase the value we provide through the software earlier on in the free trial workflow.
0: Yeah, I also think there will be opportunities down the line to basically personalize how we treat each industry even more. So to say, well, business coaches have an audience of customers that maybe we could offer to do a webinar for all of them. And that benefits both parties, but that would not appeal to a travel agent, right? They don't want us to do a webinar to their customers. So
1: I feel like that's traditional marketing.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm not going to be the one doing the webinar. I want to get the analytics and all that in place, and we're going to get that pushing up to our email automation software and all that, and then from there, Eunice can take it and say, "How do we make the most of this?" Got it. Got it. Got but it. So she really doesn't even it, have the data,
1: right? Now. So really, right now, you're focused on optimizing. Your existing, it sounds like to me like you've got you've you've had a historical funnel from traffic to free trial to paid signups, and you're focused on free trial to paid signups, and Bracken's focused on understanding the quality of the free trials and understanding what happened from traffic to paid signups um, over the past let's call it twelve months, mm-hmm. and um, I guess one question I have is. Where does this traffic come from and how much of your time goes to, uh, you know, making sure that that traffic is of high quality?
0: Yeah, this is really where we are weak, I would say. Um, The traffic doesn't come from anywhere. I mean, it comes from somewhere, but we are doing very little to generate it. It, This is one of the reasons Brack and I stopped focusing on marketing is years ago, just there there's this never ending stream of traffic coming to our site. It was enough for us to be growing at a speed we were happy with, and eventually we just kind of said, well, I guess we can count on that, and that's that. We do a little bit of, by we, like Alex does a little bit of advertising and odds and ends here and there, but it's really a minor part of the total amount of traffic coming. So I would say we do almost nothing to guarantee that there's high-quality traffic coming. We do. I I recognize the biggest opportunity for us is to increase the people coming to our site, Everything I've talked about so far is how do we optimize for the people who are already there? I just don't have any good ideas really on how to get more people to the site.
1: Yeah. And I I guess um, where I'm heading with this is if you really think about what scares you the most, like it sounds like your conversion, has your conversion from free trial to paid dropped off significantly significantly?
0: No, not uh, it's it's sort of in a weird state right now cuz we just released this major redesign and we don't have good numbers on what life will be like post that, but no, not yeah, really. Yeah,
1: but, but outside of that change, prior to that change, was there any like ch- major significant change in the conversion?
0: No, but there the one major thing, it wasn't a change, nothing changed but we learned more about it. For the entire history of the company, we've thought of growth with the following model. We have so many customers, some percentage of them churn, and we have referrals, which we increase by some percent. If the growth from referrals is greater than the churn, we're curving up and to the right. Otherwise, we're plateauing. We didn't know the answer to that question. Are referrals greater or less than churn? We still don't exactly know, but we have a higher bound that We know we grew 15% last year, which means we're certainly not growing more than 15% due to referrals. And we're getting closer and closer to zero where it might start being like, maybe that referral traffic isn't enough. And all the stuff we're doing right now could, in theory, help that number. Got it. Um, Getting more out of the traffic you have right now.
1: But yeah, at the end of the day, I guess um, what I'm trying to get to is you can optimize. There's only there's diminishing returns to optimization. And at the end of the day, like you're going to solve a short-term problem here, um, but it's not solving maybe the root problem, and it's not even answering the root question, which is have we tapped out our market? And so I guess just challenging what you're doing for a second, sh- you know, sh- are you working on the wrong thing? Should you be working on increasing traffic, even if it's not something you don't want, you love doing? Mm-hmm. Would that not give you, maybe you would get more answers if you if you both focused on just increasing the top of the funnel.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously it's not your job to solve this for us, but like, where would you even start with that? Like all of the ideas I have for increasing top of funnel are much bigger projects. So we talked about appointment scheduling in the past. That would be one way to do it. Um, I am working with Eunice is probably the one leading this, but Eunice, Alex and I are kind of discussing some ideas along those lines. Uh, other ideas to increase the top of funnel. Where would you start if, if you were like a consultant hired to come in here? Uh, so first
1: question I would start is how much traffic do you get? Mm-hmm. Which, how, which is
0: what? What's your monthly um, traffic? Monthly. Month, well, monthly. Well, it's visitors. heavily, heavily dominated by, Current users, not thousands. Yeah, yeah so that's I, the second question. And what percentage yeah. of that
1: is non login, tra- non user traffic?
0: Yeah. So we get, I don't know, in the tens of thousands of hits a day, but it's almost all visitors. We're getting, I, I know how many free trial signups we're getting, which I guess is we're getting about right now, maybe 60 free trial signups a day. Um, uh, let's call it 50. Uh, and I think we have about a 5% uh, traffic visitor to paid. To, to free trial sign up conversion rate, so whatever that math works out to.
1: Sorry, I missed that. Uh, of the ten thousand, what would you estimate are non logins? Just the gut. Are people um, actually like coming to your site that are not customers?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing we're talking about maybe five hundred a day. Cool. And do you know where those five hundred people come from? Mostly unattributed, like. Or, you know, organic, like they, it could be a Google search or something. They're not coming through channels that, well, maybe, you know, more, you, you definitely know more about this than me. There's some things that are easy to track. If we, if we pay for an ad and someone clicks the ad, we know they came through that ad. If they click a link in our mar- email marketing, we know they came from that. Most people are just landing on our site, not through one of those channels.
1: Okay. Well, rather than go through the questions for you, let me just kind of walk through all the questions that I would ask in order, and I'll just make up numbers. Mm-hmm. So assume that there's 10,000 visitors uh, a month that are what I would call... I'm going to keep it actually simpler. 1,000 visitors a month that are leads that are coming to the site that, are, that could have bought your product. Um, you mentioned that... What's the conversion rate to free trial on those, that 1,000 right now? I said it was 5%, but I'd have to look that up let's call it 10% for easier math. So, I mean, you know, that's great. You have a 90% loss rate on those. How, you know, you're, I think what you're trying to figure what you're not, what one question would be, why aren't those 90%, why isn't that 900 people converting to a free trial, but that's pretty good. So I'm probably not going to worry about that. I'm going to go to where are those 10, where are those, um, uh, 100 people who are converting into a free trial? Where did they come from? And I would, um, I, so I'd be pretty interested in what were the referral websites for those 100 people? Um, what were the, you know, how did, what was the first page that they landed on uh, for that first 100 people, w- which would give me some indication on what they were searching? Um,
0: you know, it's what almost did, all our homepage is the hard thing.
1: So that's probably means they're, they're doing a branded search term, which means they're searching less annoying CRM, in which case I'd probably want to call all 100 users or message them and say, you know, I, I'm doing some market research trying to spread the word on the, spread the gospel on less knowing CRM. I go like, how did you find us? And I would start mapping a journey, you know, you know, backwards. So I said like they heard of, you know, some of them are going to say, so-and-so told me about you, or I heard about you at a conference. And I'm going to start m- mapping out a, a customer journey that leads to less annoying CRM. And what I'm ultimately trying to find is what, um, you know, what got them to the site, number one, but ultimately what got them to the, You know, I'm. You know, what got them to the point of knowing that they wanted to go find out what less annoying CRM was all about, and you know, I I would think that uh, if if you're not getting a lot of traffic from web, you know, other websites right now, uh, you know, you know, if you're not advertising, although that's probably a very expensive search term, um, if you're not getting a lot of like. Hey, I didn't know what less. I didn't know to search less annoying CRM. I'm coming to a sub sub page. It seems like there would be a pretty significant opportunity to increase the people who don't know what less annoying CRM is, but are, you know, searching some other, you know, m- not tofu, but middle of the funnel type term. And I would, you know, want to understand the traffic. That, that those middle of the funnel terms that I'm getting, you know, the words that these users are using to describe what they were looking for when they found less annoying CRM. It's not less, maybe they said, I want a less annoying CRM, but there's probably other phrases that they were using. Um, I'd want to find out like where they, what you know, who owns that market and what how big is that, you know, market of search terms and, how, you know, how quickly can we get positioned either through paid channels or Search channels for that traffic and go grab it because I'm pretty sure that it would convert. Maybe not at ten percent, but at some you know larger percentage. Um, I would you know, I if they told, told me like you know, hey, you know, I'd, I'd want to understand how they bought other similar products and how they heard about them. Maybe they you know they would say at conferences. Uh, maybe they would say at um, you know from friends, and that's great. Would be great validation for the referral program. Maybe they say, hey, I've got like a. A coach of some kind, um, and, and I would try to figure out like where are the places that we had an opportunity to tell this solve this person's problem or introduce them to a solution to their problem, and they were looking for solutions problem relative to where we actually are. Um, and I would start prioritizing those. So I don't, you know, you have a unique challenge. We talked about this. How do you acquire customers with a low a- ARPU? So you're limited in the paid acquisition channels. But I would be focused on the low cost, uh, channels that, that people are hanging out. These, these people who we are already getting are hanging out that less annoying isn't, you know, isn't there and, and grabbing their
0: attention. Okay. It sounds like a lot of what you're saying is coming down to content marketing here, like write a blog post that targets certain keywords basically. Yeah. And I would say that's
1: a simplified view of it. I, I don't think I, I, I'm going. I would say that low cost is what I'm going after, and low cost typically means content. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of the cheapest way to market. Um, I would definitely explore paid channels. Have you have you explored paid channels?
0: Yeah, we we are doing. We always have some AdWords going on, and we've dabbled. We we've dabbled with PPC from various like app directories like Captera and stuff like that. My experience is uh, as soon as they become. They hit an equilibrium of competition where everyone in the world finds out about them. The prices go up and we can't compete with other CRMs. Occasionally, a new one comes out. We get on there first and ride that wave for a little while before it dies down.
1: Yep. So, I mean, I guess high level, there's probably... um, If you're not doing a lot of marketing, right? And you said Mm -hmm. that the marketing that you have tried to do, like content marketing, hasn't worked. It means that there's probably some opportunities... Um, to get more traffic, what you know, or meet with more business owners who have the similar problem, you know, to the people that are already signing up but aren't aware of less annoying CRM, and finding out where those places are, and then prioritizing, you know, t- hours, you know, uh, of, of a person's time toward that would be my focus. And I I don't know exactly, like, uh, you know, I'm I don't I haven't talked to the, your users, but I, I know that if I talked to hundred users that signed up and how many users sign up by the way for in a free a trial each in a month
0: something like a thousand
1: yeah I mean like that's great like th- I would want to know all about them what dr- you know what journey they went on how you know what you know, doing the analysis on It'll start bucketing them. There's probably like 10, 10 themes. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know, and I'd, I'd want to go find the theme that I thought had the biggest market opportunity that we weren't tapping into yet. Probably a vertical. I'd probably do a vertical segmentation. What, you know, take what you're doing with the free trial, um, industry stuff, up the funnel. Um,
0: yeah, so which is kind of thing. part of the problem. Like we wanted to get like industry specific landing pages and templates and stuff in place, and then say now let's start do like if we advertise on those keywords or write content for those keywords we can actually hopefully convert that type of traffic now do you have any data on how people hear about you
1: do they tell you that during their onboarding
0: um we used to ask this as a question and we found as a as a form on this a field on the signup form we found that the data was really unreliable we talked to them in person but we don't really aggregate that data so I kind of had an- have anecdotal, you talk to someone, a lot of people say they heard from a friend. A lot of people saw it on an app directory like G2 or Capterra or something like that. I don't have that in a way that I can say this percentage are from here or whatever. But I think we've yeah. probably heard about what the different sources are. Yeah.
1: So I think that if if you hired a marketing person to come in and focus on that, those are the types of questions that they're going to try to answer first. It's the only way that they're going to be able to get control over the top of the funnel. And you know, come to you and say, "Hey, we should invest more money in this channel." Um, it is, is to start answering those questions. And so, I think, like you're, you know, at the end of the day, like you're in a situation where you and Bracken are just going to like be the product first company and and just not worry about this stuff and let it happen, or you're going to bring someone on who is going to a- start asking a lot of questions that'll probably make you and Bracken a little uncomfortable in terms of what data you're going to have to f- figure out how to acquire. From your customers through, you know, either forms uh, fields that might lower conversion rates, um, mm-hmm. you know, chat conversations from CRM, anecdotal stuff, plus you know, surveys to to to, to answer important um, top of the funnel questions.
0: Yeah, an interesting challenge here that I imagine most businesses face, though, is okay, you you get the data where current leads are coming from, but for example, there might be some channels where we already max it out, and hearing that they come from there doesn't mean we should go after that one necessarily and then there's no, the ones that they aren't coming from and where do we even learn what those are
1: yeah so there's two um, there's two things here one is understanding your existing customer base and then the second part of this is understanding the market opportunity um, and so you have to there, there is understanding the market broken down by industry segments and understanding how big that is relative to what you've acquired you know in cohorts. So that you can see, you know, hey, like this has a big opportunity. This doesn't, I, and you. Know, this isn't just looking at signups; it's also looking at which ones stay with you the longest. You know, uh, you know, a, a guy who signs up, you know, in, in one industry in last twelve months is not nearly as valuable as a as a guy or gal who signs up in last thirty six months and then also grows their users by three x. So Mm -hmm. you you really want to find your ideal, you know, segments and that, you know, part of that is one, they're, they're good customers by definition of like lifetime value. Um, And then you also want to look at, you know, what's the opportunity? Is, Is that a segment that's growing or is it a, you know, is it, is it tech companies? You know, and there's more, you know, the number of tech companies every year is getting larger or are they travel agencies where the. This, that segment's getting smaller i I'd be looking for those 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 high LTV um, growing market segment type customers and going pretty specific vertically on those as yeah and strategy. this is a
0: big part of the idea behind the industry stuff we're doing is you're saying talk to a hundred people on the phone which I don't think is a bad idea but there's also like survey 10,000 people in an automated way there are different ways to collect this data. We think we have a good sense of what all the industries are and which ones are best for us, but we'll have much more concrete data on that after this project. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that's great. Like that's at the end of the day, I I didn't mean to like say that calling people was the solution. At the end of the day, like you have questions about the market that you need to answer, and you have questions about your customers you need to answer. One dimension is industry. Um, Another dimension is. Value to less annoying CRM in terms of you know LTV, which takes into account retention, takes to, into account you know account growth in terms of number of users, um, and I think uh, if you're getting the answers to that, then you should be able to you know put together some uh, make some assumptions about hey, if we look at the journey of that customer specifically and how you know that customer might go about purchasing a CRM in the first place, making a bad choice. Or finding us from the beginning we should be able to go from you know them hitting our website all the way to you know they've had the first thought that they might want to buy a CRM and make sure that we are in the right places at the right time as they go through that journey and assuming that there's market share significant market opportunity in that segment you should see an increase in signups
0: yeah so what I'm like as you're talking the the wheels turning in my head are like what i really want to get out of this in terms of my like i want to get my personal actions with in the universe that i'm in which is i can do technical work and i would prefer to maybe maybe one day i'll have to not do that but i want to do technical work that enables the non-technical people to do their jobs effectively one thing we've already talked about that isn't what you're saying is optimize. Once someone gets to our site, optimize to increase the percentage of people that make it through each step of the funnel. But a different one is provide the data to the non-technical marketing people that they need to make informed decisions, which is very much something I can do to help them out. Um, collecting data during sign up, sending automated emails out, measuring their their behavior, doing analysis to see who's got the the higher lifetime value, stuff like that.
1: You, you could, couldn't have said it better. Like if you if you put the data out, like one thing you can do right now is make the data available. There's a whole nother question of will someone use that data and will they use it the right way? Um, but yeah, I think for what you can control right now, that's a great first step um, because if you do want to invest in, so at, some, at some point you're going to need to, to try to go get, if you want to grow marketing and you want to grow the business, at some point or never, if you decide not to, you're going to, want to increase the awareness of Less Annoying CRM. And that's going to be much more of a marketing question than a product question. It's going to be how many people, how do I get more people to know about Less Annoying CRM profitably without spending too much on the customer acquisition costs? And that is a, there's a lot of data that's going to be needed to answer that question. And if you've already got that available, someone who knows how to do that sort of thing should be able to come in and be successful when you bring mm-hmm. that person on. I get mm-hmm. the impression that that person's not at Less Annoying CRM right now based on talking to you. I think there's someone there maybe who can come in and and help you iterate and maybe grow into that. But if you wanted to really increase awareness of Less Annoying CRM right now from a marketing standpoint, it sounds like you don't have that asset available to you at the company.
0: Uh, Maybe yes, maybe no. I, I think that the the stuff that Eunice is interested in doing, I think would be, we don't have someone who has a proven track record of doing that, but I think we have the the skill set to do it, hopefully. And one thing that's, one of the reasons we've always been bad at marketing is whenever anyone wants to do something, they have to go through me. And I, 75% of the time, I'm like, that sounds annoying. No. Um, hiring a traditional marketer, I think would be setting someone up for failure. I like the path of a CRM coach, kind of a CRM coach developing from within the skill set because they already know what's allowed and what's not within our framework.
1: Yeah. So I guess um what I would say then to that is what are you doing to allow people not to to, to like you not be the roadblock? And it sounds like the data the data you know is one thing. But like well that's not what I mean can-
0: when I say no. I mean like I don't like I am not allowing it because that would not be consistent with our values. I'm not, not that I'm the roadblock from a bandwidth standpoint.
1: Oh, okay. I misinterpreted that. Um, do you, I mean, do you have someone challenging you on whether you're driving enough awareness of less annoying CRM internally?
0: Is that different from just marketing in general?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like less annoying CRM could help a lot more people. If people knew less annoying CRM existed? And that's Mm -hmm. aligned with like, you know, growth and, you know, a lot of the things that you're trying to address, right? Like how do you I guess what we're talking about here is how can you actually market and drive awareness without compromising your values? And is there someone at Less Annoying CRM who wants to try to lead less annoying CRM into that next phase? And I don't think it's you like talking to you. I don't no, think yeah. it's I cracking. mean, Eunice wants yeah. to
0: be the, the marketing person and Alex's job is also growth, not so much marketing type of growth, but biz dev and stuff like that. So they're definitely, it's not a lack of will. Uh, I okay. don't think, but it is, we have a set of things we're really good at and it's really centered around making current customers happy. And when I talk to other founders and stuff like that, it's kind of a grass is always greener thing. They hear about that and they're like, you just get free word of mouth growth and and you don't th- that just works for you. But then on the other hand, I'm like, you mean you actually have a way to spend more money to increase growth. Well, that sounds amazing too. So, yeah, and I'd yeah. be
1: clear, I don't I would probably not say that this will ever be coin operated for you. That's the nature yeah. of serving very small businesses, but I do think like if someone really like took ownership of amplifying the word of mouth of less annoying CRm, amplifying the story, amplifying the brand awareness to people who could benefit from us annoying, it seems like that would go a long way at kicking away at this future problem that you've yeah that you brought I up.
0: don't I, I totally agree, but I don't think this is an issue of us having to decide to do it it's an issue of like what do we actually do which is kind of what i I got a lot out of this conversation and that that's helping us move us in that direction but we we have people working on this just we haven't really cracked the code you do that makes sense
1: okay yeah that's awesome i i mean i wish i wish uh i feel like you have a really interesting story to tell small business people who need a simple crm and i feel like uh that story isn't it, you know, it feels like that story is just not like being told. This is just a, a perspective of mine, like not being yeah. told as much as it needs to be and as much as it could be. And like, just like, I come back to just telling the story more and more thoughtful places. And like, that's all you like, need to do. Can
0: you give me what we, we should probably wrap up here pretty soon, but yeah that's sort of vague language. Like we, we write a lot of blog posts. We're on a lot of app directories. We are doing webinars. Like, what do you mean by oh, telling you're doing the that story?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about, but it seems like, I don't know what your reach is on those efforts
0: currently, but like, how do you, it's our current that newsletter. Re- that's the problem. Yeah. Like, and that's the, like, all the content we're doing is all the storytelling is being told to our people. You don't
1: need new content. You just need to take the same content and get it in places that people like that you don't have reach to right now. So I guess yeah, like at the how? end of the day, well, there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, the way I would you know do it is I would, I would focus on where your existing customers are, are coming from and the people that and the places that they're interacting with along their journey and I'd go partner and focus on how I could be a part of that, whether it's, yeah. you know, they all go to this conference every year, spot, being the platinum sponsor at the at the conference and, you know, pulling out radio ads uh, or podcast ads on the podcast that they listen to, um, the, you know, kind of those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. So that's, I, I, I like to hear that. That's really consistent with what we're thinking. I think one of, if I could look back in time, if I could give some advice to six year ago me. Um, one of the big mistakes I think we made is we viewed small business as a group of people and it's not, um, travel agents is a group of people, business coaches is a group of people, real estate agents is a group of people. Um, so I think that's one of the things driving this industry project that I'm working on right now is we can't tell the story to small businesses. We have to treat each of these almost as a whole different journey, set of communities and so on. And so I I guess what I'm hearing from you is put this industry thing in place that we're doing, use that to pick one, eventually, hopefully more than one. But I I think we need to start with one and say, let's act like we are just a business coach CRM and go tell the story to business coaches. That's the sophisticated way of going about it that I would want to do
1: if I were in that position. But there is another route that I think might work for you, which is. Just go tell the less annoying CRM story in those places that these people hang out, and tell the generic story. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that might just work for you. Like maybe it's better for you to keep it simple, honestly, and you know use those as examples of use cases, and not be this. The story is the small business, or the story is that you know most most um, people who 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 use CRMs, you know, where you're targeting. You know they find them overly complicated and annoying and you've solved that problem and go come check us out. I don't know. I'll I'll leave it at that. I know we got to wrap up. What, what, any other takeaways that you would, you would have before we move on?
0: No. Yeah. So just to summarize what I think I'm here. I mean, I I definitely want to go back and listen to this again and I'm sure I'm going to get more specific takeaways, but it sounds like what Brack and I are doing right now, which is analytics and tracking and collecting data is good. But to understand why we're doing it, it's someone's going to go out and tell our story. One thing is tell our story, like understand the the buyer's journey. And it's not, I think the key thing is it's not one journey. It's 20 different journeys that are all funneling into one site. And we need to understand all 20 of them, go to where those people are and tell the story. And that what Bracken and I can do, I mean, we can, of course, do that also. There's nothing stopping us from doing non-technical marketing. But the thing that we can uniquely do that no one else at the company can is generate the data and the analytics and the tracking to understand and inform what the non-technical marketing, like what 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 is the journey? Where are people coming from? What is the best industry to go after?
1: Totally, totally. Cool. And I think, honestly, my gut tells me that if you figure out some places that are higher ROI in terms of telling your story, even if you pay to tell the story and you do that in a not annoying way that's inconsistent with your, your values. I think, I feel like that's going to that's gonna work.
0: Yeah. No, my gut I, I like tells that me, a lot. My gut tells
1: me you haven't tapped out your market.
0: There's absolutely no way we have. I mean, there are, there are 20 CRMs in our market that are bigger than us. So there's no way we've saturated it personally. Yep. So Cool. Um, well, yeah, I appreciate it, Rick. Uh, I'll, I'm going to give this another listen and, and write some ideas down. I think this will really help us. Yeah. And I actually,
1: we were concerned about this topic being a little bit muddy. And I, I actually, I, I, I like it because it's it allows us to sort of work through muddiness and hopefully come through with some clarity. Um, I'm going to listen to it again and see um, if there's anything else and I'll email you. Um,
0: yeah, cool. Uh, the, the one thing I like The way in which this type of topic lets me down a little is if I'm a listener to this, I want to hear like a specific, okay, I get the general idea, but is there a way this has actually been applied in the past or something? So maybe one way to address that is I'll come back and talk about this again after we have specifics.
1: That'd be interesting for me too. Um, All right. So uh, hey, everyone, thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. And second, if you know any founders or even aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last um, and what we're doing here. We'd love to have them as listeners and have them give us feedback. Uh, To review past topics, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week.
0: All right. See you.